And please turn, if you would, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Hebrews, chapter 12. We return to our series on the Christian family. And we uh, consider now our next uh, topic, our next theme uh, in the series, which is on discipline. Previously, we had heard of our need in our family for the Word of God to disciple our children. And now we come to an understanding of what to do when they stray from the Word of God and what God prescribes as discipline for our children. And so we will consider mostly verses 4 through 11. However, I'll begin reading at verse 1 in Hebrews chapter 12. So trusting you are there, please give your attention now to the reading of God's Word. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure." but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we call you Father, And yet we often don't want all that you are to us as Father. We want your love to speak a word of peace to us. And we don't want your love to chasten us. And yet you do both for our good. And so in the preaching of the word, would you help your minister to preach the whole counsel of God, that the people of God would know the blessing of godly, loving discipline that is exercised as a reflection of, of the love God has to his own people. O Lord, we pray that you would pour out the Spirit in the preaching of the Word and in the hearing of it as well, that the people of God, whether they have children or not, would understand the discipline of the Lord, even to us who are children of God. We pray, Father, that you would do this mighty thing, that you would apply the words of God to us, and you would help me speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. And we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, today, it is not uncommon to see children virtually in charge 
of the home, dictating terms to their parents about what will go on in the home. There is little discipline, parents having abdicated their God-given responsibility to discipline their children. A responsibility that our text shows is to love, to love their children through godly discipline. Uh, Scripture teaches that to not discipline a child is actually a kind of hatred for them. And that's where we need to begin. To not discipline a child who is going astray is to hate them, which is why God doesn't do that to us. When we go astray, if we are his, you know this from experience likely, he will chasten us and he will bring us back to the straight and narrow. And the fruit for your encouragement, uh, congregation, the fruit of a lack of discipline is rotten. It is unrighteous. And rotten fruit, for your warning, will often beget uh, rottenness in generations to come. Its effects are felt for a very long time. If you've ever spoken to somebody who has been converted and they testify of how disordered their family uh, was and how they had not been disciplined, and now they're learning of the discipline of the Lord, they will likely testify that it didn't begin even in their parents' generation. It often begins far earlier. And so you see that a lack of discipline in one generation, what is it going to produce? It's just going to pass it on to the next until God breaks the cycle in his graciousness. Yet, godly discipline, on the other hand, is a great blessing. And often children who are lovingly disciplined have the fruit of it to abide for generations to come. The fruit of it, you know, you just think about how the Lord promises in the second commandment, those that uh, love his commandments, right? They're promised a, a thousand generations of them that love me and keep my commandments. And so we find that loving discipline will have its fruit abide for generations to come. And so our theme is simply loving our children with godly discipline, loving our children with godly discipline. And we have to have love at the forefront here because the world is going to try to convince you that discipline is not love. And it's contrary to it, but actually the contrary is true. To not discipline our children is to hate them. Now, as a preface, uh, our sermon comes as a part of a series on the family. And I'm not going to have time to retread old ground. I'm barely going to have time to cover what I want today. Uh, we've already seen, for your reflection, that our children's greatest need is to know the Lord Jesus Christ. This does not replace that. We've already seen that our uh, children's great need is to be discipled by the word of God. In Deuteronomy 6, this is not going to replace that. We've already seen that our children need to respect and revere their parents in the fifth commandment. This is all part and parcel of that. And this theme is carried on the back of those prior messages. And so keep that in mind as well. I won't be able to cover all of that again. And so that said, we will divide our time into the three simple heads on your bulletin. First is need, second is tools, and third is cautions. First is need. The text that is before us in Hebrews chapter 12 is about how God treats the believer as a son, as a child. Uh, whether male or female, he's treating you as a son, so to speak. Those that the Lord loves, the text says, he chastens. Verse 6, he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. All of us who have been received by the Lord, we are scourged, we are chastened out of love, when we walk away from his precepts. And in our text, the Lord teaches us 
that his dealings with us is the pattern for our own children. Because we are prone to forget that the Lord loves us when he chastens us. And maybe that's where you need to begin, right, child of God, is that when the Lord chastens you, when he brings afflictions into your life uh, for sin, it's because he loves you. It's not because he hates you. And we have to get that straight, people of God. When we are afflicted because of our own sin, it's the Lord loving us, saying, I will not have you run into the pigsty. I will not have you run into hell. I will reclaim you. Just as it was for the prodigal son who felt the affliction um, away from uh, his father's house, he will do such things. And we're prone to forget in the chastening that is the love of God. And at the time here that the apostle writes, right, God's people seem to have known it was loving for a father to discipline their child. And that's why he has to remind them, no, I am like a father. I am a perfect father. But just as your fathers out of love chastened you, I discipline you as well. Verse 9, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. In other words, the child's duty, children, listen to this, is that you are to respect your parents when they discipline you. You're actually to say, my father or my mother, they care about me. And I must respect their authority and I must respect their discipline. And that's something you can forget and I can forget too. In fact, he asks the question in verse 7, What son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Now at the time, evidently it was clear to, uh, to the Jews here that those who are legitimate sons and daughters are chastened by their parents. Now, maybe this question is a bit more alien to us today. But the thing is, we are expected to know that true children are to be disciplined by their fathers and mothers. And that is something that we have to to see. And we have to actually also take to heart that in present, he says, uh, chastisement does not seem joyous, it seems grievous, but we are to take heart that the promise of our text is that afterward it is meant to yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness in you. That you are meant to grow and be blessed. And that's the aim of discipline, is blessing. We can forget that. It's not punitive like our penal system is, right? Where we punish offenders and we lock them away and think this is going to somehow manifest their reformation. I don't understand that at all. But that's not what biblical discipline is. Biblical discipline, even as it hurts, is meant to uh, produce in us the peaceable fruit of righteousness, And that is what our aim is in discipline. And if you don't understand that it comes from love and is meant to produce righteousness as its fruit, you will despise it. But this is the aim. It is meant, in other words, don't forget this, parents, to bless your child. It is meant to bless your child and not hurt your child. And the society around us is going to make us think that that is wrong. But it is actually meant to be a blessing. And this has even pervaded the Christian church to such a degree that we had to correct elders in our synod meeting this past uh, synod meeting where they believed that church discipline is something other than grace. But I and other ministers had to get up and remind the court that discipline is an exercise of grace when it is godly. It is meant to be gracious. And our text is a reminder of that. But we have to ask ourselves the question, where has the pernicious thought come into our minds 
of even elders in the church that discipline is in opposition to grace. I hope it hasn't been in their own home, first and foremost. If they do not think, if we do not think that disciplining our children is gracious, because that's what our society teaches, then elders are going to import that into the church. That's why they have to understand how to rule their own household before they come and become an overseer of God's church. But God, in his wisdom, shows us in this text that grace and discipline go hand in glove. They're part and parcel of love. So children, when you are disciplined, remember and remind yourself, because you're going to be prone to despise your parents, they do this because they love me. They do this because they love me. And I hope you hear that today. That's what God says, right? That's what God says. It may not seem like it today. He says, God says, no discipline seems joyous, but grievous at the time. But later on, you will recognize its fruit and recognize the love that was in it. And uh, even though my mom was a heathen, you have probably heard this said, one day you will thank me for this, right? And I do now. Thank her for several of the corrections that she made to me. I did not see it at the time, but I certainly see that it made me a better man. And when grace came into my heart, I truly learned the lesson that I was meant to learn. And so you will see that the aim is meant to be joyous in the end. That said, with that kind of preface, the need of our homes is biblical discipline for our children. And it is indisputable that our children need correction. They are sinners. They are born sinners. We saw that in Psalm 51. And their hearts, not only that, the Bible says, are full of folly. Proverbs 22.15 says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, of a child. And as such, the word of God, having taught us that, and your own experience teaching you that too, parents, I have no doubt, teaches you how to correct your child. Because foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. And the warning of our text, and I think you need to take this to heart, and I do too, is that to not discipline them is to treat them as what? And I'm glad that the old King James translation will likely shock people today, but it is to treat them as bastards. To not discipline them, right, is illegitimate, maybe what the way a newer translation might, might translate that, is to treat them as bastards as though they are not really yours. Right? If ye be without chastisement, verse 8, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. You are basically saying this one is not mine if you don't discipline them. And you need to let the gravity of that sink in. Not only is a lack of discipline dishonorable to God, it is actually dishonorable to your child. And you have to see it that way. It treats them as though they are illegitimate children. As though they are bastards. Often, you know, and let me put it this way, it actually keeps them from the privileges they are to enjoy as natural born children. Often the backwards thinking is withholding discipline is loving. Instead, to withhold discipline is to hate them and call them a bastard. So which is the loving parent? The one that lets their child do as they wish or the one that chastens them and disciplines them when they go astray. The one that chastens loves. On Wednesday night, uh, in the sermon on Wednesday night, we heard from Revelation 3.19 briefly, uh, where Jesus says, as many as I what? 
love I chase, I rebuke and chasten. Do you hear that, parents? Jesus Christ says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. You see, discipline, rebukes, chastening, go with love in the Bible. And the thing is, you can be very uh, upset at that thought, but this is true biblical love. And parents, you must get that truth into your mind and then into your heart. If the Lord works just one thing into your heart today, I pray that it would be that he would open your eyes to this truth. That loving discipline in love is not hatred. But the devil turns these things around, doesn't he? The Lord knows our flesh struggles in this, so he reminds you in Proverbs 13.24, He that spareth his rod, what? Hateth his son. Hateth his son. But he that loveth him, chasteneth him betimes. The message is clear. Old Testament, New Testament, same God, of course. It's the same message, though. You love your child, you chasten them. right? You hate your child, you spare the rod. For the tender-hearted parent, though, I am very aware, discipline can sometimes be more painful to you than it is to your child. And this is one of the great things that prevents us from disciplining them. right? We love our children. We don't want to see any pain. Uh, inflicted on them, whether it is uh, pain in the heart or pain on the backside. We don't want any pain in their life. And uh, I understand that personally and experientially and so many parents. In fact, if you don't feel a sense of pain yourself when you discipline your children, perhaps something is wrong with you. However, you need to understand this is an expression of love towards you. You know, on, on Friday night, as I was, uh, and maybe some of the brothers saw this, as I was witnessing to a man, I had to call out to one of my children to stop um, that child, I won't, uh, that child from engaging in a certain activity. And I said it very bluntly, very uh, sternly, you need to stop that. And the man I was witnessing to kind of came to me and said, why are you so hard on her? And it actually shocked me for a moment, but this is where our society is. And I had my child come over, and uh, they explained to the man, oh, my dad's not severe with me. He was correcting me. But this is the kind of thing where we are, where even, you can't even say to a child sternly, firmly, stop doing something. And our society starts to think that you are uh, someone cruel to them. This is where our society is, friends. And let me just say, this is what Christians have been learning from psychologists and from schools is that uh, you know, your child's self-esteem is going to be hurt if you rebuke them. And at the same time, right, the same Christians who say this kind of thing will scratch their heads and ask, why is our society so messed up? And it's the most bizarre thing in my mind that we cannot square these things together. When even Christians are afraid to discipline their children, it's no wonder. You know, in the third chapter of Isaiah, God said one of the judgments inflicted upon Israel was that children would rule over them. That is a sign of God's displeasure on a people, when children rule the household. And that has been the direction of our society since at least the 1960s. And has been growing more and more all the time. And we are to be aware of it. And we are to return to the word of God when it comes to caring for our children. That discipline is love. It trains them in the right way to go, verse 11. And love for you, tender-hearted Christian, 
and should be all of us, really, as we have meditated in the Bible is quite costly. Right? Uh, Christ's love cost him his life. Love is giving. Love is sacrificial. And your love for a child may cause every swat on their rear end to cause pain in your own heart. But you must be willing to pay it. Your love for a child may cause them to resent you for a time. And you must be willing to pay it regardless. Your love for a child may cause them to rear up in wrath and anger against you. And you must be willing to pay it and not be afraid of their reaction to loving discipline. Now, with all that said, there are others who are not so tender-hearted, who treat their children as kind of cool custodians of them. And discipline seems to be the only way that they relate to their child. But you are to show them love and nurture in more ways than just discipline, right? Children are to know that their parents care for them in every way. So that when you discipline them and you have to be severe with them, they know that discipline comes from the same heart of love. If your interactions with your child, and this is a danger to run into, uh, people of God, uh, if your interactions with your children are summed up by scolding and spanking, something is summed up, right? If that is the summation of your interactions, something is very off and imbalanced in, in the home. In our text, right, God as Father is the model, the exemplar of the great discipliner. But does the Father not also speak peace to us? as well as send us his chastening rod. Yes. And so there must be a balance in our own interactions with our children, right? The only, some, some parents, and I'm not speaking of anyone here, mind you, but I have observed this in, in, in some households that the only interactions seem to be scolding and yelling and spanking, and there's never a kind word said to the child. And that's wrong too. And that's an area that we can fall into that is imbalanced, Biblical love, we remember, and this is the complexity of it and the beauty of it. You know, God's love is pure and white and holy, right? And when it shines through a prism, so to speak, you find it is multifaceted, like a rainbow. There is discipline, there is kindness, there is affection, there is long-suffering, there is hope. And the Bible shows us these many dimensions of love in texts like ours, as well as 1 Corinthians 13. And so what you must never forget in the midst of discipline or outside of it is you need to show love in its varied components to your own children. Discipline is one component, one greatly neglected, but do not neglect the others either. And so we have seen here there is a need for loving discipline towards our children. And God in his wisdom has given us many tools to administer it. And that's our second heading. Now, you have heard the saying, I trust that if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem is a nail, right? God in his wisdom has given us a variety of means to administer discipline, which is fitting because he uses a variety of means to administer discipline to us and will use his means in order to connect to ours. Some parents do gravitate to one or the other and that becomes their hammer, so to speak. But every uh, tool of discipline in the Bible has its uses, and every child may need more of one kind or another. And that reminds us that discipline is, at its heart, a shepherding activity. You know, every child is different. I can say that uh, because all of God's children are different, and he disciplines us in different ways and in different proportions. 
My own children, all four of them were different, and they all needed different forms of discipline as well uh, in different proportions. I think I've used every kind that the Bible has on each of my children, but some children require a certain kind of discipline more than the others. And so uh, it's the same for all of us as Christians. What I need from God in discipline may be different from what you need. Uh, God doesn't deal with all of us the same way. So here are three tools, and I'll just categorize them in this way, that God gives to use in administering discipline to your children. And the first tool is verbal. And this is the Lord's pattern in the scripture, right? He first warns and he rebukes after the warning. The prophets chastise the people for doing what they ought not to do. In our series on the seven churches of the Revelation on Wednesday nights, we are going to see the Lord rebukes before he removes the candlestick. He sends a rebuke to the people of God. He disciplines us verbally. He chastens us out of the word of God. In fact, you might say that all discipline God exercises begins with a verbal rebuke out of the word of God so that it is intelligible to us. And sometimes this is what our children need, administering discipline verbally. And often the thing is that we don't uh, remember is that it sometimes is going to sting and it might hurt their feelings. And we have to be okay with that. You know, what was the problem with the false prophets? You just think very basically, they, they healed the hurt of my people lightly, right? They, they, gave, they, they gave in to the itching ears of the people and told them what they wanted to hear. And they didn't tell what was necessary to hear, which is to repent of your sin and turn away from your evil doings. Now, did they do that? Did God send them out of hatred for his people? No. He sent them out of love to deliver a stinging rebuke. Why? So that like when Peter preached that you have crucified the Lord of glory, right? That the people would be cut in the heart and they would see what they have done was evil. They did it out of love. The precept is this, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. James 5.20. Just an observation as of late. And I don't remember this when I was growing up. So I think this is something rather new. Is that sometimes when a parent uh, chastens their child, for some strange reason, their tone becomes sweeter than it was during normal conversation. As if they're afraid to deliver a stinging rebuke. But verbal discipline is meant to be stern. They have to know that you're cross with them. Uh, it has to be heartbreaking. At the same time, and I have some experience with this uh, being delivered to me, it ought not to go in the other direction, which is to become a tongue lashing. It's not to degenerate into yelling and screaming. That's not discipline either, right? That is unhinged and that is sinful behavior. You're to be under the control of the spirit in discipline. Stern and firm, that is a good way to speak, to press your authority. When a man or woman has authority, they come from a position of power and strength. And they're not letting themselves off the handle, so to speak, going off the handle, so to speak. You do not degenerate into screaming and yelling matches. A firm but controlled tone is what is needed. And if that discipline is unheeded, there are other tools that we will talk about in a minute. 
But uh, uh, you can move to the other tools if they will not be corrected by the rebuke, which is what God does in his word. If you will not hear the prophet speak, I will bring more severe chastening. Now, note that I call this tool verbal, but I was reflecting on this. It may not strictly be verbal. Um, a, a well-disciplined child knows the look, right? They know that when you look at them in a certain way, they have transgressed. A, a well-disciplined child actually is capable of understanding when they have gone against their parents' commands and wishes. Uh, when I was sitting in the pews and my children were younger, they know that what they were supposed to do, and uh, you know every child's different, but my children had gotten to the point where I could just look at them and they would get into ship shape. Um, now, if they didn't heed that, I'd have to move on. But this is where uh, you need to establish your authority in the home parents, such that you can have this kind of authority over your child where they respect you to the point where even just giving them a look is enough for them to understand, I need to behave, I need to sit down. Because our children got to that point because they had been trained with many forms of discipline to the point where they understand, oh, mom and dad are cross, and yes, I am doing something I ought not to do. They know, right? The <laughs> thing about our children is they know um, at a relatively early age when they're transgressing the commandments. The second tool that God uses is suspension of privileges. Now, in biblical discipline, there can be the withholding of uh, good things that we enjoy. We think of church discipline. There is a level in church discipline that is called suspension from the Lord's Supper where you get into a certain kind of sin and you are actually withheld from the supper. Uh, this is meant to be godly discipline to wound us and teach us that our sin is not to be trifled with. Right? It is meant to reclaim the sinner even in that action. The aim is, as our text says, the peaceable fruit of righteousness if we will be exercised by it. And it's not, again, merely punitive. It is meant to be restorative with repentance. But the Lord has done this kind of thing throughout uh, the Bible. Consider in Amos's day, the Lord withheld the rain and harvest from his people. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in all your places. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. And also I have withholden the rain from you. Amos 4, 6 through 7. What was his goal in withholding good things from them? Was it to starve them? No. It was so that they would return to him. Yet have ye not returned unto me. So one of the tools of discipline is to withhold privileges your children enjoy. This is a biblical concept. It's not something that is out of the Bible. Uh, we as a family have often withheld things like entertainments they enjoy, even desserts uh, that they had with their meal they would get if they had been particularly bad. Uh, inability to go to some event they had wanted to go to, a friend's house, a season where they wouldn't have a certain thing or that they enjoy. Why? Because they were rebellious. You know, they had, we had delivered the rebuke, behavior hadn't changed, or they had gone back as the dog did to their vomit. And so here comes another tool of discipline, which is suspension. Uh, growing up, my mom would withhold perhaps something I enjoyed in my meal. Uh, some days I would have only vegetables, and uh, that would be the way that she would discipline me. Now, she wasn't a Christian woman, but you see that such things are part of the natural order that God has implanted 
into, uh, into our hearts. Because this is how God deals with us when we are wavered. He withholds blessings. And the flip side of that is you may also increase their chores and such, right? In a famine, as God threatened in Amos, work became harder and more laborious. And so you might uh, discipline them in that way to see that there are consequences. Because if their behavior goes unchecked in the real world, so to speak, their life is going to become hard. You think of all the people out there who have not been disciplined well and go into the world and they can't go to work on time, they can't do this or that or the other thing, they don't pay their bills. Well, I'm sorry, your life is going to be hard. They need to understand that in the home before they leave the home and taste it in discipline. And the third tool, the one that I will spend more time with because it is perhaps the one that is most maligned today, is what is called corporal or physical discipline. Um, Today, sad to say, parents are taught that spanking will damage their children. Um, It'll hurt their self-esteem. They will become incredibly violent. Now, this has been the mantra for several generations now, and we have had as a society the blessing, quote-unquote, of living in a world such as this. Has there been a generation prior that has been more violent and full of pride than our own? People are just in the mall. You have a man murdering countless. This is the generation that didn't grow up with discipline. You ask me, is this generation more violent or less? What is it that I could say to that? This is a generation more violent, friends. And it's a generation that grew up thinking that they had to be coddled and not disciplined. This is the fruit that has resulted. Now, certainly... As a warning, there's a kind of corporal discipline that can turn into brutality, and the Bible never condones that. However, physical correction that stings is condoned by the Word of God. What we can forget, brethren, and this goes back to the doctrine of anthropology, is that the Lord has made us both soul and body. And the Lord often chastises us with bodily affliction, doesn't he, to get our attention over sin. In Psalm 38, 5, My wounds stink and are corrupt. Why? Because of my foolishness. Right? God himself will often send afflictions to our body. And the discipline a child needs at an early age, especially, is often best delivered bodily. You know, some parents will sit down and it's like they're trying to deliver a a grand discourse with their one-year-old child who is only hearing blah, 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 essentially. And it's like they're going to reason them into discipline. No, at that stage of life, especially the SWAT is what is necessary when they're very young, not to to hurt them or wound them, but to cause them to understand their behavior is improper. Let me cite Proverbs 13.24a again. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. Proverbs 22.15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Spankings do serve to drive folly out of the heart of our children. Otherwise, the thing is, folly is like leaven. It grows and it grows and it grows, but the rod of correction is meant to stifle it and its growth. Proverbs uh, 29.15, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. We need to think about that when it comes to discipline. A child left to himself 
is going to bring his mother and his father, of course, to shame. But the rod and reproof, you can see that here, physical and verbal correction together give wisdom. And it trains them in the way they ought to go. You know, they are like uh, guide wires, right, staked into the ground, which guide a young sapling in a straight, upward, heavenly direction so it doesn't grow crooked. And physical uh, discipline is meant to be corrective at a young age. Uh, Because don't be like the cults, right? Uh, The time for spanking is over very quickly. We don't spank our teenage and adult uh, children, right? Because the time to correct via things like uh, uh, spankings is uh, when they're very young. Otherwise, they'll end up like that oak tree that is impossible to bend back into the right direction. You want to, this kind of discipline to be done, especially when they are young. Proverbs 23, 14, uh, 23, 13, and 14. Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest, the Hebrew word there is strike, him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat, that is strike, him with the rod, and shall deliver his soul from hell. Uh, I hope you understand what the intention is of physical discipline. It's not to hurt our children, it is to deliver their soul. It's not to hate them, it's to love them. And so the Bible says, don't withhold it from them. It's almost like this is their, their uh, again, going back to the, the uh, analogy of the illegitimate child. Right? This is their birthright, in essence. We are to spank them because they, uh, they need it. Now, some things, practical things to consider concerning spankings. First of all, and this goes to all discipline, even verbal, we are not to discipline in sinful anger. Right? The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You are not to fly off the handle. You need to pray probably before administering physical discipline. It must be even, and it must be measured, and it must be consistent. Um, I think I remember reading a while back uh, when it came to, to body parts, uh, Beaky uh, said it, I think, rather well. It's like the Lord has designed a part of their body uh, for such discipline, their bottoms, right? It absorbs the sting well. Uh, we are not certainly to strike a child in places like the face. Right? That, that can be very destructive. Um, and really, if you start young enough, uh, swats on the bottom are enough for most children, especially when they are young. Now, spankings are meant to sting, They are meant to produce a sensation of pain. Otherwise, it's not really a spanking. Now, you can use your palm. You can use a safe implement that will not bruise them. The Proverbs, of course, speak of the rod of correction. Whatever you use, it is to sting, and it is not to damage them. That's not what we're after in spankings. And afterward, with every discipline, of course, you are to let them know that this affliction was given to them out of love. Because that's what the Bible says it is, right? You tell them, you explain to them, the reason that I am doing this is because I don't want you to go astray. And I want you to prosper in your life. And I don't want you to leave the Lord's ways. And so you are to speak to your child, maybe embrace your child, and let them know that you love them very much. And this becomes a lot easier for them to grasp when the entirety of your life shows all the dimensions of love. And it's not just simply about spankings and and corrections like that. It um, It is a good practice to pray with your children as well. 
and to lift them up before the Lord, that they understand that you care for them soul and body. And so there is spankings. And perhaps I might have to revisit it another time if we have questions about such things. But uh, I'll leave that there as far as the prescription in the word of God. And uh, so these three prior uh, tools for discipline, especially since my time is going quickly. Now, these three tools for discipline are what you might call perhaps punitive. Uh, But I do want to remind you there is a a fourth tool of discipline, uh, and it is positive, not punitive in this sense. And that is you can reward your children when they do well. Now, that, too, is based on God's own character. Uh, He will come to reward the saints that do well on earth when he comes. King Jesus promises you, believer, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Revelation 22.12. And this promise of reward is not uh, something we earn for salvation, but it's a reward for doing good. And it's meant to spur us on in love and in good works on the earth. And so even if you're, you don't have children, right, this ought to spur you on to good works, that he's going to reward those who do good on the earth. But we are to take that and we are to spur on our children in the way they ought to go by rewarding them as well. In 1 Peter 2.14, Peter says of governors and parents are governors of the home. They are not only to punish, but to praise them that do well. Praise them that do well. You know, commend your children as they do well and reward them when it is appropriate to do so. Teach them not to expect a reward for doing well, but commend them and encourage them and surprise them, perhaps, and remind them why they're being rewarded. You know, I I consider this great evil of not commending our children It's a strange thing in some homes. You will find the family dog gets the good boy, but not the child. The child never gets commended for what they have done, but the dog does. And so we have to see that that is not right, brethren. And are you not yourself looking for that great commendation from the Lord, right? We live our life uh, living for the Lord, expecting by God's help to receive well done, good and faithful servant. If God condescends to us to commend us, reward and encourage your children when they go in the right way. Here are some examples of that. You can encourage them when they do their duties without being reminded. You can encourage them when they go beyond what you have asked them to do. What a thing that is to train them in that way, that when they go beyond, right, there is a commendation for that. Uh, Encourage them, especially when they make the slightest motions towards Christ. Don't treat that as a light thing. Be overjoyed as the angels in heaven would be, that uh, a sinner is coming to the Lord. And encourage them also when their behavior has been corrected after discipline. Like when they are manifesting new obedience, make sure to encourage them in that. That I am so thankful, my son or my daughter, that you have learned uh, the aim of discipline. It hurt me, it pained me to even discipline you, but I praise God that you have now come to learn the lesson. And this is a way to especially encourage them. Again, if the angels in heaven rejoice when a sinner repents, we ought to as well when our children do and kill the fatted calf, so to speak, as the father in the parable did. Right? Isn't that, uh, isn't that man, that father, a reflection of the heart of God? And we think of them manifesting repentance, right? 
Paul said, now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. There's a joy here in repentance. When a child does learn the lesson, their repentance is an occasion for you to show joy. So, four tools to administer discipline. Three that might be called punitive and one called positive. You need to, though, choose them appropriately. You need to understand that God has given this sort of tool belt for you to administer discipline. Uh, You are shepherds of the home. Some tools are not appropriate for every age. You cannot, as I've mentioned, sit and reason with a toddler. Spankings are more appropriate at that age. Uh, At the same time, we don't spank children who are taller than us, right? Not really appropriate at that age, which is why we spank when they're younger. Other tools are more necessary, including reproof and suspension. But you can especially reason with them. Don't neglect that as they grow older. Reason through the scriptures as to why their behavior is to be um, disciplined. Uh, God tells his people what? Consider your ways. And sometimes what is often neglected is just simply asking an older child, was it right for you to do that? Just as the father in the parable does, doesn't he? He asks the older son, was it right? Right? Was it not right that we do this and this for the younger child? Uh, God asks Jonah, is it not right that uh, we basically show mercy on Nineveh? Consider your ways. And what you have to do as shepherds of the home is understand every child and how they respond to discipline, right? Some of our children in my own home, right, they respond to the mildest reproof uh, with a great sense of shame, and they are cut to the heart, and they are in tears. Do I now then have to spank such a child? No, I don't. They have learned the lesson, assuming that those are true tears of repentance and not Esau's. Others need the rod of correction, right? They're still hardened to it, and I need to spank them. Um, And I will say with no sense of pride, I was such a child. I needed to be spanked and spanked often. That was just my temperament. And my brother, on the other hand, didn't need it as much. And I think my parents were wise enough to understand uh, that distinction. And so understand your children and also understand your child's capacities, right? We often want to be very careful with special needs children, uh, especially if they don't understand their behavior and why it is that they are being disciplined. So you need to understand your children. I'm not going to give you any prescriptions here, but understand how each child responds to discipline and ask for wisdom from God. Not every problem is a nail for the hammer. Um, I would also say as children get older, make sure that they can tell you why they were being disciplined and ask them, what will you do in the future in order to prevent this behavior again? Ask them as well, do you know that your primary sin is against God and not even against your parent? Also remind them that God is very gracious to forgive all who come to him by Christ. And that they are to plead for mercy from God because the sin is against God first and foremost. And say that if they will ask you for forgiveness, you will extend it as surely as God will. Of course, this is for children of greater years that can converse and consider. Uh, Anyhow, consider your child's capacity. The other part is don't uh, think of your child in an ossified way like they had stopped growing when they were two. Right. Uh, consider your child every year where they are in their development and how discipline must change over the years. And with that, let's consider our final heading, which is cautions. 
Well, our children are sinners. We have established that. However, the Bible also teaches that parents are sinners too. And God teaches us that we can be overbearing with our children. And there are two key texts for you to consider in this. Colossians 3.21 and Ephesians 6 verse 4. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, Provoke not your children to wrath. And as shepherds of the home, we are to be keenly interested in these two texts. We are neither to discourage our child or provoke them to anger. What does that mean, right? Because after all, a child may very well be sinfully angry after discipline and upset that they were disciplined. What God means is not that. God means is that we are not to be unreasonable and overbearing on them. You can, you have to take this to heart, you can discourage your child by being overbearing. You know, it's a very sad thing. This goes in hand with uh, what we had spoken about biblical love. You know, it's a very sad thing if your child rightly thinks they can never please you. If they think that they can never, ever please you, that they can never measure up at all, and they become dispirited and sometimes even desperate, maybe causing them to become angry, pushing them beyond their capacity, you can discourage them and you can provoke them to wrath. Now, these are matters to take seriously for all governors, right? This is part of the fifth commandment, as our catechism teaches. And so let us consider some remedies because we are prone to fall in this direction as well. If we're prone to leniency, we can very well be prone to going overboard. First thing to remember is you are to discipline on biblical grounds, right? Not everything that disciplines you is a ground for discipline, You know, if they break the moral law, discipline them. If they violate your authority, discipline them, for that is the fifth commandment. Uh, And on that, let me just say, maybe this should have gone in a different heading, but willful rebellion is very serious, and it has to be dealt with swiftly. Parents don't take rebellion lightly against you. You know, the civil law of God shows you how serious that is. Exodus 21, 15. He that smiteth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Proverbs 30, verse 11. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. Verse 17. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. Willful, stubborn disobedience requires a firm response and don't paper that over when they rebel against your authority god takes that seriously because in the home a child learns to reverence god and those that do not respect their parents will not respect god now all that said children are to obey you in the lord ephesians 6 1 reminds you and so discipline must be on some biblical ground you are not to discipline just because you're cranky Right? That doesn't give you a ground for discipline. That actually gives God a ground to discipline you. We've already spoken of not disciplining out of sinful anger. But children always need to have instruction at a certain age on why they're being disciplined too. And the reason for that is twofold. One, so that they understand. And second, that you reflect before you discipline them why they're being disciplined. So that you are not doing it out of sorts and out of sinful anger. You know, be prepared to answer the question, parent, why? And it best be a good and solid answer. Your child can tell 
when you are scrambling for an excuse as to why you discipline them. And a child, let me just warn you this way, can live in fear if they're unclear of what is going to set off a parent to discipline them and punish them. Second, in that train of thought, discipline must be consistent. You cannot train a child if discipline is inconsistent. If you typically do not discipline them and have not warned them against a certain behavior, then all of a sudden one day you start to spank them and say, I am fed up with this. You're not training them, first of all. They don't understand why it is that you are disciplining them. You're just going to confuse them and you will provoke them to wrath and they will walk on eggshells. You need to be clear and consistent in discipline. Do not let things come to a breaking point and then lash out at them. Third, expectations for a child must be based on your child's capacity. Uh, I have covered this a bit earlier. Your expectations for them are based on capacity. Um, Here's an absurd example, but I think it's just so that you'll get the point. You know, typically a three-year-old cannot memorize the larger catechism, right? But if I expect him to and then discipline him because he couldn't get it all done, I am the one in sin. You must know what your child's capacity is. And that is what provoking them to wrath is really about. Or perhaps I know that my child cannot mop and clean the entire house, but I give that as an expectation for them, and then they fail. And then I get upset, even though I knew that my child couldn't do it, right? We speak of, even in the secular world, setting up someone for failure. We have to understand when our child might be set up for failure. We cannot do that for our children. Uh, Same with the punishments we meet out to them. Make sure the punishment is not beyond their capacity. Now, I think in our time, we have too low a view of the capacity and understanding of our children. And I think we typically go in that direction. But this is the whole counsel of God. You need to understand that you might be doing this. Psalm 103, 13 through 14, speaks of the Lord and how he considers us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. He knows that we don't have the capacity of God. We don't have the capacity of angels. He knows that we are as dust, and he pities us for that. And so, remember that and consider the child's capacity. Well, more can be said on all these points. But I think this evening, and with our time uh, run out, I just want you to get the high-level view of the forest when it comes to discipline. To remind you of the principles of discipline from God's word, each area can be investigated very thoroughly. But we are in a day where principles are eroded. And so we need to regain principles of discipline. And if we regain the principles, we will find that the particulars of discipline will come much easier. So never forget, as this last bit of encouragement, That shepherding children takes godly work and spiritual energy. It is hard, but it is a blessed work because children are a blessing from the Lord. And you need to press on, brother and sister, even as it gets hard to discipline your children and not be discouraged. Sometimes you're going to be tired of the rigor of discipline and it seems like the child is breaking you instead of you breaking the child's willful will. 
but you are not to stop because it is meant to produce in the child the peaceable fruit of righteousness when it is done in the Lord. And pray after the exercise of discipline for such fruit. Pray that your child would be led to Christ in a holy, righteous walk with him. And please, please do not put it off. It begins very early. There's a warning in the proverb, Proverbs 19:18. Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Right? When they cry, our hearts are wounded. I've spoken of this, but you chasten them while there is hope. It is much harder, as I've said, to straighten out and correct the mighty oak tree when it is already crooked. When your child is doing all kinds of ungodly things, it is very hard. It takes a mighty work of God's grace, which is not beyond him, to correct them. But if you do it at a younger age, and this is no guarantee, of course, you know, God has his ways, but the pattern is do it when they are young, and it is very likely that they will go in the way they ought to go. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Proverbs twenty nine seventeen. Keep your eye on that prize, parents. A child that will delight thy soul. A child more than that that will delight God. Ever say to your child, my son, my daughter, give me thine heart. But more than that, give the Lord thine heart. And never forget the exercise of discipline requires a great dependence on the Lord. You cannot do it in the flesh. Ask for his wisdom, ask for his grace, ask for his compassion, ask for perseverance, and ask as well, and this is neglected, that in the exercise of discipline, that you yourself would be sanctified. That you would be more conformed to whose image? The image of your father, which art in heaven, who doesn't suffer his legitimate children to be treated as bastards. Biblical discipline sanctifies both parent and child and conforms you to the image of God who is the exemplar. So for all of us, whether we have children or not, we are to see the goodness of God and the love of God when he disciplines us, whether through a word of rebuke in the Bible or in affliction for our sin. And we are to praise God that he loves us, and when he does love us, sending us affliction to discipline us, that we would learn the lesson, that we would walk more closely with him and find our blessing in that. Amen. Let us leave our family series there for now. Let us arise for prayer. O Lord, our God, we confess we do not often, we do not often remember that when we are chastened of the Lord, we are loved of the Lord. Help us to remember that. We pray for all the parents that they would exercise discipline and love, doing what is necessary to correct their children, that their children would grow to love the Lord, that they would grow to become mighty oaks of righteousness and not to be wayward. We pray, Father, that you would give us the grace to believe the word of God in these things and to exercise what the word has to say. We pray, Father, for all the parents here we know it can be a discouraging day to raise children, so we pray that you would give them uh, the grace to endure. And we pray for the children, 
that if they have heard the word tonight, they would understand that biblical discipline is out of love and that they would seek the fruit that comes from discipline and that they would seek to walk closely with Christ. We pray for them all and we pray that they would be established in the house of God forever. Would you bless the word of God to thy people? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.